it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Well, good afternoon and welcome to School Days, Help for Moms and Dads of School-Aged Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. In a, where, in a world where fake news is everywhere, how do you identify credible news sources and information? When I was growing up, food f- fake news used to be relegated to the grocery store checkout lines. You knew to be on guard about anything that you read on the cover of the Inquirer and Star magazines. But now fake news is free at your fingertips day and night and often as well disguised. Yeah, so it just it seems like nowadays um, just at, at your fingertips, you can tap on anything anywhere and whatever you want to see or whatever you want to believe it's there at your fingertips and whatever um, you want to believe that's for sure yeah and so um it, it i've seen it a lot of just during this whole pandemic and with you know data and with analysis and with you know everything going on just all of swirling around out there there's so many different points of view but you know everybody can't be right everybody can't be right on one topic and so um the question we want to wrestle with today is how do we discern what is true and what is not true? Um, and also, you know, are we willing to lay down um, our beliefs when we're confronted with the truth? Mm, that's the rub. Yeah. Uh, we did an episode last week about critical race theory and we researched it for about a month and it took a month to research it because there's so much misinformation out right. there. I mean, it was very difficult to find information and writings from the original founders of critical race theory. You literally have to kind of read a book. There's some stuff out there. But on top of that stuff is so much opinion and just lies. I like a little cane where you were getting. But she was like getting this little dance when she was talking about cane. She was kind of <laughs> walking her hands. Yeah. So anyway, Good job, babe. Oh, thank you. So we wanted to do an episode where uh, we would invite an expert on an expert in journalism to help us to discern uh, credible news sources and what kind of red flags do we need to look for? And, you know, just how do we weed through all of the misinformation out there? So, you know, and for on two fronts, one for us as parents, you know, as far as what we share with our children. Right. uh, But also to help give our kids the proper tools and resources on how to find truth out there because there's so much out there in just with young people as it is spreading rumors is is a you know there's there's a lot of a lot of ways to you know for misinformation to be spread very very quickly so we want to make sure that uh you and your and your family have the proper resources and ways to sift through all of the information out there to get down to the bottom of what is really true and that we're communicating that and are knowledgeable about that. 
That's right. But before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or a nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag school days show or hashtag I am school days. And remember, sharing is caring. Hit that share button and send this episode to some friends. And lastly, we do want you to be a part of the show. So if you're listening to us live on Facebook or YouTube, YouTube, thank you. <laughs> Feel free to put questions in the chat box and we'll do our very best to get to them as soon as we can. So without further ado, let's let our KidCaster introduce our guest. This week's KidCaster is Christina from Mansfield, Texas. Neil Foote is a principal lecturer at UNT's Mayborn School of Journalism. He currently teaches classes in media, entrepreneurship, business journalism, media management, and multimedia storytelling. He's director of the Mayborn Literary Nonfiction Conference. He is author of Principles of News and a contributor to the textbook Race, Gender, Class, and Media, Studying Mass Communication and Multiculturalism. Foot has worked at the Miami Herald, the Washington Post, the Dallas Morning News, the Below Corporation, the Tom Joyner Morning Show, and News Leaders Association. Welcome to School Days, Mr. Foot. So welcome, Neil. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Great to be here. It sounds like, uh, you know, your critical race theory you know, uh, conversation opened up a whole bunch of doors to uh, Pandora's box that you probably didn't expect to find. You right. need to clear your browser right you know, now. I hope you did that. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you probably came across some stuff that folks are going to be like, really, guys? Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> you are right. I didn't know you thought that way. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I have access okay. to to an, an, an academic uh, search engine, uh, JSTOR. Which probably you're, oh, you're yes. Gonna, oh, yes. Yes. And yeah. so I love JSTOR. Um, it, it can be kind of beefy up in there, a lot of the stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, but there's a lot of good, you know, I haven't found a lot of craziness on, on there. You know, it's just a place to do some really just true academic research. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's... Uh, you know, you, you, particularly in the area of, of academic research, and we'll get into all of these areas, but yeah, it's all about point of view, right? And I'm sure in your research from the critical race theory, um, depending on where, what site you were looking on and mm -hmm. how you even tried to verify what that site is, but we'll get into all of that in a minute. But <laughs> a point of view is, is really what I want to you know, give this a frame for our conversation, because I think that's what's so much uh, that's what's really going on here. And, and social media has dictated that so much because everyone has a point of view and uh, everyone is a publisher. You know, we're, we're, you, know <laughs> you all, you all are, are owners of a global media company, right? Yeah, because you are right. streaming this a, a live. It's being distributed across YouTube, which reaches billions of, of potential subscribers. So um, you know, multiply that by, you know, dozens and dozens of times. And now you got people who believe whatever they have to say, whatever they believe, whatever they think is the right thing, wherever they got the information, if they even sourced it, is uh, there's a platform for that, you know? And that's what's changing the world we, we, in which we live. And that's where we have to, 
really have our radar up and and uh, you know I challenge uh, you know myself I still consider myself as a journalist but I also can challenge uh, my colleagues in the profession of academia and I challenge all of us to to really have the eyebrows raised and ask the questions uh, mm -hmm. because we we can't yeah, I used to get mad as a young journalist, yo, you can't trust everything you believe. Well, um, in the old days, you know, we, you know, outside of your, your local newspaper, uh, maybe local TV and national news, that's where you got your information. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and the, uh, and the 10 year old encyclopedias your folks had in the basement. <laughs> right. You dusted off, right? To use <laughs> your, your term papers. Yeah. So, yeah. That was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. Now we have Wikipedia that's updated in real time um, that allows all sorts of information to be posted there. Though, you know, interesting enough, Wikipedia does have a high standard of what can be posted now after many, many missteps early on when people were, were posting all sorts of, of fake information. But but I thanks for being here. Thanks for allowing me to be here and chat about this subject. Well, I am going to ask you about Wikipedia here in a bit because I mm -hmm. I do want to. There, it's it's pretty um, polarizing. I think some people are like you can get information from there, and some people don't think that. So I'll ask you about that in a bit. But first, I want to ask you what is media literacy and why is it important? Wow, media literacy is it really is is kind of the problem we're facing right now. Is no one well fundamentally media literacy is how do media work? Uh, how uh, can you understand the information that's being shared with you in various forms of media? You know, in the early days of the of uh, of the internet, right? Media literacy was just understanding how the internet works. <laughs> Yeah, and I was part of that phase in the mid '90s of helping to launch newspapers. Uh, then, you know, fast forward to you know mid 2000s when we get Facebook, and then we get Twitter, and we get social networks. Uh, then we begin to see all sorts of information being shared in different ways. So, media literacy, which is again a class we've started teaching here, uh, and uh, you know other universities are beginning to teach it, is to allow you to fundamentally just understand how media work, how to process information, how to question information, how to understand what's real and what's not. Mm -hmm. So is fake news a new phenomenon or is there a history of the U.S. having inaccurate journalistic reporting? Well, yeah, I, I, I chuckled during your intro about those newspaper tabloids, right? Uh, and I, I do a presentation called Fake News, Real News, and the Truth. And I really begin that whole conversation talking about the tabloids, right? Mm -hmm. Weekly World News and all those headlines about Stevie Wonder being able to see now. And, <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't hear that one. Oh, yes, yes. You didn't know that? Wow. Man, where have He's you He's been pretending. Been? <laughs> Man, aliens landing in your backyard. And yeah, and think about aliens. Go back to even uh, and yeah, you know, Orson Welles and War of the Worlds yes. when he did that radio broadcast, right? And for those of you listening, you're probably saying, "What the radio broadcast? What the <laughs> heck is this old man talking about?" But this is one of the classics in what really, to me, is yeah. You know, we can go back to yellow journalism as well. 
in terms of how the Spanish, you know, American Civil War and all the propaganda that was, you know, you know, shared during that period as well. But even if you think of modern media and how that kind of shaped things and the role of radio played with, well, here it is, Orson Welles reading this this wonderful H.G. Wells story, causing a wide, I mean, panic all over the place that aliens were landing and they had been <laughs> placed here early on and people were calling police stations. They flooded police stations with calls because they were like, oh my gosh, what should we do, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, you you look at the newspaper. To, so this element of creating news, of, of helping us think of fantastical ideas has been around with us for a very long time. And now add uh, our social media networks uh, and a digitally savvy world. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the you know their parents and, and you know with, with kids listen, you know, who have kids and, and and you know part of your whole world now is how do you even manage what our kids are watching mm -hmm. and viewing and reading and listening to? You know, it's no longer the one television in the house where everyone watched it on Sunday or at night. And that was a TV. Now each of our children uh, have access to a, a powerful computer in their hands and mm -hmm. in that of a mobile phone. And in one click, they can find anything they want to and believe anything they want to. Right. So fake news and the tabloids have fueled that. It's been, you know, just uh, exploited by social media uh, and, and even... Uh, more exasperated by you know some really politically divisive campaigns over the last eight years uh, that have fueled a nation where where hate and distrust is just fomenting uh, and fueled by people who just want to believe what they want to believe. Yeah, you know it's been the we've come such a long way. I remember when I was growing up, it was uh, now one just for the record. I don't know if I ever shared this on on our show before but i was a paper boy i delivered mm -hmm. newspapers and That's i good. kept that from seventh grade to through 12th grade mm -hmm. with my dad he read our local newspaper That's right. watched mbc nightly news with mm -hmm. with tom brokaw or cbs with dan rather or peter mm -hmm. jennings and that that was it in the paper that was pretty much it that was the news that was mm -hmm. where we got our news from uh but now there's so many you know so many cable channels and so many uh, you know, uh, political channels, and then there's online, and there's so many sources, and just random people. <laughs> they just yeah. anybody can be a producer and a publisher, right? Right. Uh, so, so that that means that um, whatever uh, you know, you know, the Neilfoot News, uh, Neilfootnews.com, I can go live in about three hours. All I have to do is set up my website. Actually, I can just really start streaming on. Facebook Live if I want to, and mm -hmm. uh, hopefully my followers will share with their followers, and you know, suddenly there are five thousand people listening to what Neil Foot has to say, whatever that may be, right? <laughs> but that's the power of which we have. Um, you know, so, so that's you know, you know, that's the noise that's out there, right? How do you get credible information above the noise? And you know, shout out to the paper boys. I was a paper boy too. My, you know, I. Whoop, whoop. I 
<laughs> there were a couple neighbors that, you know, my dad, again, was a religious newspaper reader as well. And, you know, I delivered the Daily News. And on Sunday, there were a couple folks who had the New York Times. So, <laughs> you know, growing up in Bed-Stuy, there were only a couple stores that had gotten even a couple issues of the New York Times because they didn't think anyone in the neighborhood read it. So, you know, read that New York Times. It was either the New York Post or the New Daily News. So I had to find it. So, you know, in terms of even credibility of news then, I mean, it was kind of interesting and in how it's all evolved, which I think um, this goes to the power of digital disruption, mm-hmm. the power of digital media, uh, you know, the wonderful uh, excitement and innovation that there is, but it's also created this, this uh, world in which fake news is, is really in our daily lives more and more every day. Sure. Now, I went to college in the 90s, and I was actually in the School of Communication. I got a radio television degree, and I can remember being in a class, and my professor was saying that um, news reporters, journalists are only supposed to report the facts with no bias, no leaning, no agenda, and that is not the case at all now. So when did news media begin to report with bias? I know it's kind of ebbed and flowed. I know it kind of at the beginning, there were a lot of political leanings with news and that kind of goes far back, but it has changed from what the professor shared from us in the nineties to being very left or right leaning some in the middle. So what is, what has kind of happened in our society to cause that to happen? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at it historically, yeah, we, there's always been this, you know, this hard wall of, of you know, making sure that there's, there's truth and, and, and objectivity. Um, and so I, I will say a couple things. You know, the, it began to change uh, as, as we began seeing more uh, media pop up. And so if you go back to the 80s when cable news and CNN launched, uh, basically creating this this opportunity for 24-7 news. Uh, and then you add the other networks that then came along, the, the Fox Newses and the MSNBCs and uh, the growth of all these channels over the course of the last 40 years now, to the point that if you look at what's going on in cable news, I think... Um, I would say that's probably fueled this this line of uh, and truly blurring the lines of news and opinion. So mm-hmm. that um, what we see on, uh, if we turned on uh, any nightly cable channel, whatever your preference is, um, you'll get about a couple minutes of news and then uh, a bunch of talking heads or an anchor who's going to tell you what you should think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, uh, yeah. The cynics will say, well, you know, foot, this is just all about ratings. That's all that's driving it now. We're a mass media society now. Everyone's competing for the for audience, for ad dollars. And I would say, yes, that is true. I just said that a few minutes ago, that there are more opportunities for people to be distracted, to get information. It's no longer TV, radio, and uh, you know, a, a, a newspaper or a magazine. Now it's, you know, we could identify, you know, 20 different potential sources of information now. So if I'm any single outlet trying to get eyeballs, then uh, I'm going to use a, a, a very entertainment-driven strategy that says I want people to be loud, to talk over each other, 
uh, and represent partisan interests because that's where I'm going to get my most uh, active audience. Uh, does that mean that the people on there <coughs> uh, presenting that information are all wrong? No, not necessarily. Does it mean that they have a clear defined point of view that they want to get across that they believe will cater to an audience that will be loyal to that station? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, does the station itself or the media outlet have an obligation to, to advise you that the information you hear, it may or may not be true and you should use your own, you know, uh, your own best instinct uh, and research to verify that. Well, uh, again, the days of Walter Cronkite telling you that's the way it was uh, are gone. And the days of tune in, uh, take, take notes and let's listen and let's get ready. Let's get the boxing gloves on. That's the nature of it. It's, so you know, to sum it up, yeah, it's somewhat the rise of cable news, the rise of social media, the ability to drive ratings because talking heads and loud talking heads drives loyal audience and passion mm -hmm. uh, that then fuels what is you know called this this notion of confirmation bias where i, I only want to hear what i believe i you know so civil discourse is now out the window mm -hmm. uh, and i just want to hear people who are going to tell me things that i believe yeah. and so the idea of having disparate point of views coming together and someone resolving those or offering a point of context for those points, guess what? Those days are over. Hmm. So what are some of the reasons that fake news is created? What, why do people create fake news? <laughs> because they know people will read it, share it, um, comment on it, uh, and repeat that cycle tens of million, tens of thousands that in, in the, you know, that then leads to tens of billions of views. Uh, they know they can get attention. They know that it will uh, help give them a platform uh, on their beliefs uh, that elevates themselves maybe from that single person in a, on a single computer <laughs> with a thousand followers who knows that if they can share it with a hundred people who have a thousand followers and that reaches suddenly 10,000 people. And then within a couple hours, that 10,000 people can become a hundred thousand by the sheer fact that I said it and it was so outrageous uh, that I can cause disruption. I can cause attention. I can cause uh, a counter narrative to what I believe might be wrong, whatever that is. Uh, so if, if, you, if, you, if we know as a fact the sky is blue and I get on the get and I decide to use my let's you will use my Neil Foot news analogy again and say look really that blue sky that is really nothing but a a projection from uh, several government sources and the sky is really yellow but they use this blue tint to give us the sense that the world is okay and it's really not so trust me I have information that I can't tell you right now, but trust me, it's really a projection from the government sources trying to tell you that life is good and it's going down the toilet. Well, what is that going to do? That foments fear, that foments eyeballs, that quite honestly, if I want to look at from a commercial perspective, right. then Neil Foot News, you know, might drive a lot of time. You know, look at, at the Drudge Report, which was one of the conservative uh, 
blogs during the 2000s, this was a text-based, um, still is, you know, one of the ugliest websites in the, in the world that has among the highest click counts because of what it promotes and what it shares and what it believes is a point of view that lots of people think is trusted. So fake news is happening because people know they can get attention. You know, just like the kid who will, you know, just bang on the table <laughs> just just because it's the table's there, even though you told them a thousand times don't do it. Um, they they are seeking attention. It's it's the same to me uh, mentality of why do hackers hack because they know they'll disrupt people, they'll get attention, mm -hmm. uh, and it will drive us to doing uh, things to make us feel more insecure about our lives than it should. Um, just wrote another quick question. Then uh, this another question goes along with it. My wife, she she has li list of questions for me, and and I'm ready to go. But sometimes I have a question that pops up my hand, in my mind on the fly here. The question I have yeah. is this: Is do you believe that people who create fake news are they willingly and intentionally creating something new, knowing that what they're saying is not true, or is it driven by ignorance? Uh, or both. Wow. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it, look, it's a combination of both, but, uh, and, and, and part of the, Emma, is it being intentionally done in some cases? Yes. Uh, you know, again, you know, we could use certain examples that say, well, you know, and, and not to, to blow up your, your, your YouTube channel. But if we start talking about anti-vaxxers, we might, but the fact is if there's a body of science out there that they believe is, will, will confirm their belief that no vaccine can help anybody, despite the numerous and thousands of circumstances that protected our parents, uh, our grandparents, even us from getting polio because of that vaccine and many others, there will be those who will use research that will serve uh, somebody to show that, that it's wrong. Uh, yeah. So then do you map that to say, well, if you, the people, there'll, there'll be the, those individuals who actually will do the due diligence to find that research to show, see, this has happened. Here are the, here are the, um, the consequences. Uh, and then to me, potentially the ignorance aspect is, well, if we share that information without thinking twice about it without actually doing our own research or even checking with our own doctors um, who I believe for the most part, we go to a doctor who, you know, we hopefully we trust who's going to give us good guidance. Then that's, you know, to me where the ignorance come to play that, that if, if there are 10 people who believe this and then a million people who share what those 10 people have just said, then, there you have it. It's been amplified. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, it, it's it's the same way that a, a tweet. Uh, you know, if you have a thousand followers and you tweet something that's crazy, but but you know, nightly news picks it up and they reach ten million people every night. Then guess what happened? <laughs> I I just became credible because nightly news or my local newspaper or the local website or, or somebody picked it up and shared it, and so now I have credibility. So. Is that intentional? Oh, heck yes. The more people who will listen and believe that I'm right and you're wrong and that's all that matters. Uh, and those who have no instinct to want to challenge that information and question it, then we have uh, this cycle in which we're living in right now. 
You know, I think it's interesting that you said that because I've seen more use by major media of tweets and other things off of Facebook, personal people's sites, and they take them and put them on uh, major networks. And so I think that that kind of blurs our ability to know that the internet is not a good source for information necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, just, it gives validity to, um, to stuff that we're sharing, uh, when there really should, I, in my opinion, should be a, a hard wall between the professional journalists and people who are just putting stuff out there for entertainment. Right. And, and that's, you know, w- w- because of the blurred lines that are, that are happening, right? Where, where certain entertainment news can get more clicks than news that affects our, our taxes or our paycheck is kind of where this notion of how do you, and, and this is a question I've gotten, you know, uh, certainly most recently in the last several years as well, you know, how do you, how do I know uh, a journalist is real, and how do I don't? You know, how do I know that they're just making stuff up? Well, well you know, I, I, I'm, I will be one to believe that the trusted news sources, uh, again, my term trusted news sources in terms of whether you that's your local newspaper uh, or national news organizations that, that uh, you know, whether that's Wall Street Journal or, or Washington Post or LA Times or Dallas Morning News. And yeah, I, I'm sure though there will be those who will counter and saying, "Well, they're they're nothing but rags and just you know, just just puppeting what people want to hear." And I would say, "Well, no." Um, as a as a someone who's been a journalist myself, uh, at, at two of the best news organizations that that have been around and still around in the world, the Miami Herald and the Washington Post, I can tell you. Um, the rigor in which I had to do my job mm. because I, I knew I had editors who were going to challenge me and push me, um, you know, right down to every little detail that I had to report about in the story that, that the times that I did mess up and I did mess up a few times were because of just bad note taking, not listening carefully, not following up and asking the next question. Um, is other other times that are among the lowest in my life, but I but I can trust you that the news organizations that I work for and, and where many of my friends are still to this day, are 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 really living up to the highest standards as possible to try to do their jobs even better. The challenge is, which goes to maybe an early question: well, Why are we seeing more of this more than you know now more than ever? You know, media companies, business models are struggling. So there are fewer mm. people to cover these story, stories in as thorough a fashion as they should. So what we get is, an unfortunately, shoddy journalism. Um, you know, if you were by my house any night when my wife and I, who's a retired journalist as well, and you watch TV with us, <laughs> you will... <laughs> It's it's kind of a fun experience because we're like, well, why didn't you ask them this question? What mm. about this? Uh, you know, we had a house just blew up um, you know, right here in Plano, about two miles from my house. And we're like, OK, you tell me it's a gas leak. Then you say, well, it may not be a gas leak. 
and then you show us ATF and bomb squad in the neighborhood <laughs> doing the investigation, but you mm. still have not told us why did that house blow up? What do I need to know that's going on in my neighborhood? And no one's gotten to that question. Interesting. <laughs> and I'm saying, why is that so hard to ask? Because that's a, to me, that's a normal question. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to build a generation of journalists who are asking those questions, but, but that leads into this issue of, of, of uh, yeah, yes, we need, journalists need to do a better job. There's some great journalism happening, right? There still is some great journalism happening. This coverage of the vaccine, of the testing of this disease that's ravaging this world. There have been some unbelievable stories and, and you know, to the point of, of uh, finding the experts, challenging the experts, challenging uh, you know, the administration and, pol and politicians at all levels. So I, 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 I want to say, you know, there is good journalism taking place. You have to f seek it out and not get buried by your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed or the text that someone shared. Did you see this? Can you believe it? No, that's fake news. No, that really did not happen. So we have to be accountable. We have to ask the questions of understanding, well, what, where can I find a better story uh, on this? Uh, and, and how do I even dig a little deeper? And maybe does it take five more minutes of my time in the day to, to find out whether that story is real or not? Maybe, but if mm -hmm. it's gonna help inform me so that I can inform others better, that's, that's a good job because journalism is at the heart of our democracy. It's at the heart of the First Amendment. It's at the heart of us getting good information to make good decisions about the world we live in. Mm -hmm. And if we have bad information and bad decisions, as we're seeing right now, then we are, we are putting ourselves in a perilous situation. You cannot think critically if you don't have the right information. Um, to your point, um, with some of the inaccurate information because of some shoddy journalism that's occurring. Let's talk about different types of sources, because I think that there's a lot of confusion mm -hmm. about what we read online. And certainly, you may read an article and think, oh, well, this is from, you know, X. And so this has got to be the, the correct information. But there are uh, different types of sources. So can you tell us what primary, secondary and tertiary sources are? Absolutely, and and um, yeah, for, for many years I've taught a class uh, called Reporting on Public Affairs, and we spend a lot of time talking about types of sources. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, primary sources, and 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 I I do this to today because that's just the nature of what you am. But primary sources are, you know, it, it, and I'll give you an example. So if yeah, and I, again, I'll use. Um, you know, if if a if an agency or a nonprofit or a business releases a report and a and a media company reports about that report, then is the primary source that media company telling you what that report says, or is it the report? Well, at the end of the day, uh, if you tell me about the report <clears throat> and that media company, then I'm going to that report whoever published it, and I want to read it for myself. I want to see where you got that data from. So the primary source for that is not only that report that might be published, the, the official that may have shared that information. You know, we see a lot of police, you know, chiefs and public information officers 
you know, though, those, you know, if it, we're talking about a crime, an accident, a house blowing up, then police and fire and ATF or bomb squad, yes, those become your primary sources because they're doing the investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the secondary sources here, you know, are your witnesses, right? So, you know, if I'm going out to cover that house blowing up, I'm, I'm going to talk to the police chief, I'm going to talk to the fire chief. And yes, I'm going to talk to as many neighbors as possible to try to understand what they saw, what they heard, what happened, uh, when it happened. Uh, and then you know, the third, you know, tertiary sources, you know, nowadays uh, is probably going to be social media, right? Uh, which, yeah, let me just say, there's going to be some bad stuff out there on social media because there are going to be some conspiracy theories and fake news. But guess what social media does that we don't have, right? Uh, what's, what media sometimes doesn't have is that actual footage of a knee on a, on a, on a, on a, a man's neck mm-hmm. who's capturing that and then sharing it on social media, right? No camera could be there fast enough for that to happen. So mm-hmm. these incidents that we've seen kind of shared with us in brutality and, you know, uh, uh, in particularly the last several years, you know, help us kind of shed light onto stories that we may not have gotten. Yeah, the fact check part of that is, right, we, we have to also ask the question, is that true? Did that happen recently? Uh, is that really happening? Uh, who, where did that actually happen? So, so, so the primary source, that report, the source who's sharing that information, the secondary sources, the witnesses, people who are in the know, who might be experts, and the tertiary sources, I would say, certainly are social media, uh, and, and uh, you know, again, people who uh, may have some loose knowledge of what happened, but those aren't really the people you're going to rely on to build your story. Now, I said I would ask you about this. Uh, which one is Wikipedia? Wikipedia, you know, let me say this. Wikipedia is, is the, you know, the world's largest <laughs> encyclopedia, right? It's, it sadly so has put the... Uh, you know, put Britannica and World Book out of business because mm. it's real time and it's global. So on the upside, Wikipedia is has more information than any of those encyclopedias could have ever had in the time that it's it's grown. So part of the interesting thing about Wikipedia, and I would say, uh, to me, Wikipedia is not a primary source. It's 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 the source that that again I have to work with my students every semester on this. Yeah, if you want to start at Wikipedia, fine. <laughs> to kind of give you a general idea of okay, well, oh, I never heard of of, uh, of, of you know Neil Armstrong. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but here's the thing about Wikipedia, and I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, and I tried to do this. For one of my clients, one of my clients being Tom Joyner. You've heard of Tom Joyner, right? Mm-hmm. I tried to create a page for his foundation. Uh, and with all the track record and all the credibility of Tom Joyner, uh, as I was, I wrote it, I had sources at the bottom linking to things. I was challenged on those sources over and over again. So let me tell you that the primary source that we, well, Wikipedia isn't a, a good primary source. If you scroll to the bottom where it has the links and the footnotes, 
the fact checkers on Wikipedia basically are forcing anyone who posts or creates a page on Wikipedia to have credible sources and links. Mm. So how many people have you, done that? Well, I, I tell you, I, I'm more conscious of it now. And so uh, while I, I tell my, you know, again, as I'm telling your listeners, sure, use it, go to the bottom because that's going to take you to the story, the report, uh, the study, the census data, the, the, the other media outlets that may have covered that person. You know, if I'm going to track down something on Whitney Houston and yeah, I'm going to see the story. So again, these are personal stories that, that the, the Wikipedia pages that, that usually publicists like me sometimes are hired to, to write. There are even companies who write Wikipedia profiles. People can go in there and suggest edits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as you go to those footnotes, yeah, so, you know, so, so I'll add this. You can check the footnotes to make sure there's credible information. And then you can even check to make sure whether the credible information link there is even credible by digging down. So if I'm going to click on that Washington Post link, I'm going to see that story. So I'm going to see who the st- sources are in that story. Who are the sources? Are they family? Are they government officials? Are they doctors? Are they experts? Do they, are they people who know about this? Oh, wait a second. There are no sources in this story at all. There's no one quoted. <laughs> red flag, red flag, red flag. There's no byline. There's no dateline. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that should be a, a flag in itself to tell you, wait, no byline, no dateline. There's no quotes in this story. There's not even a report cited here. Uh, whew, no, there's something, you know, there's not that that's wrong with that story itself. And then, you know, you can move on to the next story and do that same criteria. Who are the sources? Now, if a medical story and there are no doctors or, or scientists uh, involved in that story, or epidemiologists, uh, you know, viral experts or pandemic experts, if you're writing about, you know, a vaccine story, if they're not in that story and it's only political people, then wait a second, where's the story coming from? Right. Right? When was it published? You know, there should be a date and a time on these stories. Um, does the website even have a dateline or about us? Um, it kills me when I go to, to websites that are purporting to be news or even blogs and there's nothing about you. Mm-hmm. So if you're hiding by behind that, you know, being anonymous, then that's telling me you don't want to really, you don't want to tell the truth about yourself. So why should I believe anything else that's mm. on your site yep. that's credible? Because I, you don't even want to tell me who the people are behind this news site or this this broadcast site or this blog or even this Facebook page for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's you know if there's some advice you know for your listeners you know do that little check if and you will realize oh my gosh I've been looking at this site for all this time and oh so sites like Medium uh, you know Medium.com has grown into a huge platform uh, once again this is a user driven platform um, you can use a free version or a pay pay version to publish whatever content you want. There's no fact checkers. There's no organization. Sure, there's some magazines that have moved on there and, and they will clearly identify themselves, but there's thousands of other people who are just out there publishing content. So 
look at that carefully. Look at the source of the look at who the sources are and look at the source of that content. And that's going to tell you right then of what the point of view is and whether it's credible or not. And, you know, they make it easy for you uh, when you're reading stuff on the Internet because they have these um, links. And sometimes I noticed, particularly when I was looking up information about critical race theory, is that you would click on, like, for instance, they were talking about a House bill. And they were like, they said, this is what the House bill is all about. So then you click on the House bill and read it, and it's contrary to what they just told you it was about. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, I mean, it takes... 10 minutes maybe to click on something and read and see that you know it's it's not saying what it is that they are saying that it's saying they are totally leading to a different different pov and they linked because they knew you weren't going to look at the link (laughs) exactly and that's a great example right if it's h hr1 then guess what? We can go to the Library of Congress and we can see the bill that was filed, right? Mm-hmm. We can see the bill that was filed and actually read it for ourselves. If it's a lawsuit and, and someone's alleging someone's being, you know, of a crime, guess what? You can go to your local county website. All lawsuits are public, civil, criminal, <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, and yeah, you can go find those websites, the, the the lawsuit that was filed, the police reports, all police reports are public, so you can find that. So, so there are ways to do this. I, I, uh, I did a challenge to one of my students. This was a bunch of years ago when crazy Justin Bieber was doing this wackiness. I think he had egged the house or something. And I challenged one of my students. I said, "Well, a student who can find the police report." Yeah, we'll get extra credit. Man, next class, one student out of my 150, he said, hey, Professor Foote, guess what I found? He had printed all 15 pages. Wow. It. And it had all the details. And of course, you know, this was in the tabloids and entertainment TV and everything. And it's like, look, here's the credible information. Did he do it? Yes, he did. What did he do? What did he say? Who were the arresting officers? What time of day did it have? What the, who were the witnesses? That's all there. That's in the police report. It's, this is not made up. You can find it yourself. So, you know, is that an extra step? Well, you know, yes. Um, do you want to be well-informed? Oh, I hope so. Uh, particularly nowadays, uh, you know, is it a polite way to tell someone who's sharing information that is, you know, it's whack? You know, there's a site out there that's called Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a credible site. They do have fact checkers. I mean, there are other sites out there that news organizations have created, and even one, uh, you know, uh, Pulitzer Prizes on a PolitiFact.com. I mean, they won a Pulitzer Prize for their fact checking of what politicians say, particularly during the presidential campaigns and major national campaigns. Uh, and they do the due diligence uh, uh, to kind of make sure that. Um, yeah, they're they're keeping themselves honest too in terms of making you know finding information that is useful uh, and credible, uh, so that you make the best decision about the information you're using and seeing. The challenge, though, is, and you said it yourself, you had one student out of 150 that chose to go that extra step. Some people don't even want to click on a link. We were, I was telling David on the way over here that I was looking at a Facebook post and somebody was saying that there's free and reduced lunch for our whole school school district for all students that was what was written in the post then you could further click on the actual article that would tell you more information well the comments 
were first first one of the comments was was so is is it for all children and i was like well all you had to do was just read the post you didn't even have to click (laughs) to find out yes it's for all children and then somebody else said well does that mean that i don't need to you know something else and i was like well if you had just clicked on the article and actually read it then you would have found out that information but people you know i think that part of the problem is we're we're, we have a deluge of information there's too much information coming towards us and also just you know apathy at the same time (laughs) just i just want to quickly find out the information kind of a we have a microwave sort of generation and um but what what it's doing i think is very much so dividing our country um and causing problems between neighbors and families and things like that where if we just take a second to fact check something or click on a link or you know just try a little bit to find out the truth behind something i think that you know we would we will all be well served to try just a little bit absolutely and i just want to stress you know being skeptical and cynical there's nothing wrong with that I've spent my life doing that because that's what journalists do, right? And and, and it, it almost bugs me when I hear actually people saying, well, why is that journalist being so angry and asking so many questions? Hmm. Man, if we don't, if we don't, what the heck is, you know, who's, who is, right? So if we're challenging a president or a senator or a congressman or a mayor or a police chief to please tell us, you know, to me, one of the simplest questions we should all be asking is why, right? It's channeling our little our six-year-old kid's self. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. That's a very simple question, right? Why? And can you explain that to me? I don't understand that. Can you explain to me why that is happening? Why? And can you explain it? If, you, if we look at all content that way, then I think that will help us get a better perspective you know, uh, on what we're reading, what we're seeing. You're right. We're scrolling. We're looking at our cell phones more than ever. Uh, that's where we're going to get the information. That's where we're going to, you know, more than likely, if it's shared to us by a friend, then we're likely to trust our friend for sharing that information. Well, if mm-hmm. it came from Neil, it must be credible. And yeah, a couple of times, friends have said, yo, Neil, this is, you know, I already looked into this and, you know, Check out this link. This is where the information is. So holding ourselves accountable in that sense, uh, in as civil uh, way as possible, um, which is again, uh, you know, I think you mentioned it is. It's hard nowadays because people are more so going to take it personally. You trying to tell them how to live or how to think, and and all we're saying and all I'm saying at least is saying to ask the question, get good information. And you know, find the sources that are really going to help you do it. If you if you use your news sources, whether that's TV or your social media as a source to get information, take the extra step to just click on it. You know, I'll even when national news does a story about something happened locally, I actually want to go to the local newspaper or the new local TV station to to see what reporting has been done on that story with a little bit more faith that the local news outlet is going to be that much more thorough than a national outlet that's kind of flying in like a helicopter and just kind of zooming out, uh, not getting as many details. Um, yeah. Now, granted, nowadays, some of that's reversed for the same reasons I said before, a lot of local news companies don't have a lot of reporters. So the New York times or the Washington Post or the, 
Uh, NBC can send in 20 reporters to cover that story in some cases better than the local news outlet because they have those resources. But I point to you that there are resources and investment in news organizations taking place that's really dedicated to helping us get better information and content, right? It's so absolutely important and critical. Well, we have a question from one of our listeners on Facebook. He wants to know if you watch both left and right takes on a situation, will that bury, uh, will that balance it out? So let's say you're listening to Fox news and CNN. Will you somehow get the truth? Can you glean the truth from listening to both sides? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I, I think you should listen to both. And then I think you should question both. Um, and so my answer is you, you, you will get different points of view from the same story. The key thing then is in listening or, you know, why, you know to those two story is what are the sources that both of those organizations are using? Uh, and then go for yourself to figure out, well, let's see, CNN says this, Fox says this. Wow, but I went to the report on the CDC site and it actually says this, <laughs> or it actually says that. So you guys are just really messing up the matter. So yeah, I think accountability for us is, is you know, look at both sides. Yes, I love that. Let's be open-minded enough to say, okay, let me hear what folks are talking about. And sometimes we just need that. What are folks talking about so that I can better understand why some people are believing certain things than others? And then take the extra step to say, well, let me see what other sources are saying about this story or this incident or this fact to help me come up with some better, a better informed decision about that. So, uh, yes, old days, we trusted that information because people told us we trusted. Now, yeah, in a case uh, here, we've got opinion makers and pundits telling us uh, information with experts kind of woven in. Uh, to maybe suit someone's opinion in some cases. Uh, but ultimately, this you know, uh, factual data out there, I, I, I really believe there's factual and statistical data somewhere that's going to verify what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a math person, and anyone who knows the show knows that about <laughs> me. Um, it seems like you can find statistics on anything you want. And people throw numbers out there on anything. And it seems like you can find any statistic to believe anything you want to believe. So how are listeners and parents and children to truly know what is accurate? What are how do you discern what are accurate statistics and what are not? How like what are some red flags you can look for to say, mm, I don't know about that one versus Okay, mm-hmm. this is this is credible. How how do you know? No, I, I love that, and and I, I describe it as you you have to interview the data, <laughs> mm. right? You got to interview. So some of the same uh, steps are required, as I said before, is checking you know, whether the site's a credible site. So who is the source of the data? Is the data where's the source? Uh, where's the data being uh, read? You know, what kind of site is it? So, again, your your uh, the question for uh, it was about you know I'm watching CNN and I'm watching Fox. Um, 
you know, where's that information coming from so that I can verify where the, the original data is. Um, what's the size of the sample that they use? Again, as, as you know, as a mathematician, right? Uh, you, you know, it, all the research you had to do, you had to source your data, you, how many, how many people were interviewed or how many people were tested, how many people were part, whole, part of the whole problem set, here's who responded, here's how we factored in a, a percentage of error of some sort, um, here's what this information actually, you know, uh, you know the, the other part of that is if it's a survey of data, then what were the questions asked originally? Not just the one question that says X, Right. But what were all of the questions asked? Because typically, if it's a survey, then there's a set of five, 10, 15 questions that were asked. Uh, or maybe it was one or two. Uh, do you believe X? No. Okay, thank you very much. But you know, look at the, you know, see if there's a click to this. You know, again, a good source of data will, will, again, reveal where the originality of that data is, which is, again, go to the census site and you can not only see the cute graphic that shows the population, the demographic trend, wherever, then you click on the link and go to the raw data. You can download an Excel spreadsheet that has, you know, 27 fields, right? And see where that data came from. Uh, so, so, you know, interview the data, check the source of the data, check, uh, you know, uh, who published the source, uh, check the date of the data. When was the survey taken? Mm -hmm. You know, Man, you know, we are living in such a real-time society that, goodness, I was working with uh, a, a couple clients, the twin sister doctors out of Philadelphia, and I was working with them. They, they published a, a special report, you know, encouraging folks, uh, you know, to get their vaccines and everything. But, you know, we were trying, you know, over the period of time, we were trying to use data regarding the number of, of deaths, the number of incidences, and I had to update that thing you know, every two weeks because mm -hmm. the numbers were changing. So the data changed as well. So data from 10 years ago, uh, no less 10 months ago right. or 10 weeks ago or last week could be very different. Um, the, you know, the location of that data was gathered. You know, what data you may gather today, you know, out of Arkansas versus what you might get out of Massachusetts could tell you a very different story about the pandemic, right? But where's the source of that data? Who's getting it? Why are they publishing it now? You know, who, you know how was it analyzed? Uh, uh, and, and what is really, uh, was the full scope of that study so that you have a sense of whether this was credible, whether this is you know, why, oh, I get it now. This is a story that was talking about, you know, why vaccines are, are uh, not worth getting it. And so the data is here showing that out of 27 columns, there's one column that shows there's a 32% X of this happening. And so therefore that's why this, this bit of data was shared in this story by this news outlet at this time. That yep. can give you a good sense of whether your data is, is real or not. I just want to add real quick, you know, um, just when you're looking you know, at statistics, you're looking at one, what is the sample population? Um, who, who are, who's being interviewed? Is it one particular group of people or mm -hmm. is it, a, is it diverse? Secondly, like you said before, the size of the population, 
Uh, are you going to bring 100 people or are you going to bring 1,000 people? Um, and also when you're doing research, you know, when in science, you know, you have the scientific process. And if there's some rogue article, well, such and such said out of, you know, Transylvania that this, that this, is, <laughs> that this is happening over here. Well, is it repeatable? Um, has it been right. repeated multiple times and has it been confirmed across multiple sources and sites? So just because one person said it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right either. So we have to really do our due diligence and not just hearing, not just believing because somebody said it, but what's the population, you know, who are they looking at? Is it biased? Is it leaning one way or the other? And then also, mm -hmm. is it, is it repeatable? Has, has it been confirmed over multiple sources, multiple doctors, multiple whatevers that are discussing that topic as well? Sure. Yeah. So I want to ask you, cause there's, we, we're running out of time here, but I, there's a couple things I, I definitely want to get to. I've noticed there are some suspicious domains sometimes. So can, if you can tell me about transpo squatting and domain spoofing so that people can not be duped by different uh, websites that they think are from ABC or whatever, and they're actually not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, several steps there. Beware of the links that are shared with you. Uh, yes, by your friends and family, <laughs> no less the strangers that you may get in the spam that you may get. So yeah, there's some telltale signs in those URLs, right? Usually what may be, you know, um, you know, something that's commonly spelled as house, you know, <laughs> suddenly you realize is, is H-O-U-Z-E uh, and not H-O-S-E, but you click, oh my gosh, yeah, I was looking for that. I was looking for some house stuff the other day. Let me click on that and bingo. Uh, what what some very creative but demonic and, and <laughs> people are doing able to capture your your link and your data from that that IP address that you clicked on, and suddenly you're bouncing over to a site where they're able to uh, use uh, <laughs> their own technology to kind of to to, to to begin to track your key your key steps on your mm. your keyboard. Um, and increasingly so, we're unfortunately seeing this in your on mobile phones as well. So check the spelling mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, check. You know, again, there's an evolution of of uh, domains now from the old just .com, .net, .org. So there are all sorts of new ones now. .org, .co, .info. So you just want to be careful. You know, if you're not sure about it. Sometimes what I'll do is either I'll go to a search engine and I'll just I'll Google that name just to see if that's for real. Mm. Um, uh, and you know, again, it may lead you. Again, the, the more sophisticated uh, hackers and those will will spoof the sites and know that that's exactly what you're going to do and lead you and still end up leading you to clicking on a site that's in a Google search. Uh, because you thought that was the way to go. So just be super conscious. If it doesn't look right, if it doesn't seem right, uh, then, yeah, it probably is not where you want to go. And folks are just transferring that. I mean, so misspellings of the URL, um, certainly if, it, if it's a, a link in it, uh, or someone's sending it and they're describing the type of information that's on that website, yeah, you know, there's a flag, you know, right there that says, uh, again, I'll Google the content that the person is telling me that I should be looking up and say, oh, well, I found this over here. 
uh, not on this side because I don't know what that side is you know, uh, until I can trust it uh, more. But but the but the, the key thing is you know if it doesn't seem right, do your research elsewhere, delete it immediately. Um, and if you do end up clicking on it, you know just you know, shut down immediately. Uh, and probably it's a good idea to begin to change. You do that dreadful thing we all hate is changing our, our logins and our our, mm. our passwords for uh, any of our accounts that would be affected by that. Okay, you were you were pausing there. Are, are we you here? Yeah. Okay. Yes, right. You weren't moving, <laughs> yeah, so I was I'm like, here. "Is he I'm gone? Is he gone? Like, oh no! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm good. That was just that was that was my were, comment. Right you read that right? Okay, <laughs> I was like, "Is he gone or is he done?" Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm um, good. I'm I'd good. also like to know what, in your opinion, are the best resources for accurate news. Where should we be going to get our news on the whole? Well, you know, where do you go to get your news? I mean. I mean, I, I guess I will will validate, uh, you know, a couple different things. Um, at the end of the day, I still believe, you know, your local news sources, whether that's newspaper or, or local TV or local radio, or particularly local news radio for the most part, will give you uh, credible information locally. Um, the other source of that, you know, um, you know, Google does have a news channel, but it Google does not generate any news itself. What they do is because they it's you know the, the world's most powerful search engine, so they mm. curate news from legitimate news sources. So you will find that if you look at the Google News Channel, there's stories from the Associated Press or the Washington Post or the New York Times. Uh, you know, um, you know the uh, major national news organizations that have been in the news business for a very long time. To me, you know, those are organizations that are still very dedicated to doing very thorough news, uh, and and have held have high standards of accountability to make sure that that their reporters, their editors are living up to the highest standards ethically. And you know, to the, the you, know, you asked a question about you know bias and objectivity. You know, everybody has bias uh, and opinion. Uh, so the key thing for every journalist is uh, is to make sure that you you if if you're concerned about that, then you know you have to do that much more reporting to make sure. Uh, again, and this is this is not made up. I was challenged any time to say, "Hey, Neil, you need to make sure you talk to other people on the other side of this story." Mm -hmm. um, whatever I believed was the story, if it, you know, I, it was my duty and responsibility as a journalist, and and that's where you'll see the the the, the best news organizations. They'll go out, and you'll see that point and counterpoint yeah. uh, of view, uh, and, and that and that's again. Yeah. How do you know you're at a good news source? Well, you're going to see and hear those different viewpoints. And if you see and hear those and you and you leave watching or listening or reading and saying, ah, OK, I got it. I got I got I see why I see how people believe certain things. I'm good. Uh, let me go to the next story. Then that's really going to give you a sense of, of whether they're, they're really ready and not ready but but really responsible in the sense of wanting to give you credible information mm -hmm. you know we don't want to receive news the way we as parents talk to our children 
when they ask us why. That's right. And exactly. I, I love saying it now because I'm an adult. I hated yeah. it when I was a child. But why? Because mm-hmm. I said so. No. <laughs> we nah. don't we don't want to get our news like that. So just Mm-mm. just because somebody says it does not make it legit. Oh, that rhyme. Just because somebody says it doesn't make it legitimate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm gonna and, and shirt, babe. Oh, there you go. <laughs> School days, Jeff. <laughs> School days. Yeah. yeah, you got it. No, it, yeah, you be skeptical, ask questions, ask why, ask, please explain, and don't be afraid to say, well, where did you find this? No, seriously, no, no, no. Where, where did you find this? Right? Right. Uh, because I, I'm just curious, you know? Uh, and and uh, that's that's a simple duty we can serve as everyday citizens, for me as a journalist and certainly a journalism professor, the standards are that much higher because the information we publish, um, yeah, you have a higher degree of potentially trusting that or distrusting that based on my track record. And if at any point I violate that trust, then you will either never read my story again, never watch me again, or never trust anything I say because you're just not sure. So, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of responsibility placed on journalism shows these days. I think there are a lot of good journalists doing some good work, but ask questions, ask why, do your homework. If it doesn't seem right, go to another site and keep on digging until you find out where that reporter got that information. And again, you'll be surprised how you can track that down. Uh, their folks paid a lot, uh, reporters are paid to do this, to get information that typically, you know, in some cases is accessible to us as general citizens, but great journalists really find the information that people can't easily get access to. And that's why they win Pulitzer Prizes or Peabody mm-hmm. Awards, uh, uh, because they've revealed truths that are, are untold and that's the good journalism that is still going on out there yeah and one one thing i would one thing i would say and recommend is that you need to remember that the the internet is tricky and that even with local news sources sometimes there the information is either for um, it can be a news article that's a paid advertisement Um, sometimes new headlines are clickbait and if you're just forwarding something because you're like, oh, my gosh, up in arms about the headline, please read the article because sometimes the article and the headline don't match. <laughs> they don't. Yes. They're not saying yes. the same thing. So, yeah, they just there. There's there's financial gain behind some things. And they well, just yes, want you to. there's a whole uh, websites are now being populated by sponsored content that's usually at the bottom. It's usually. Uh, usually those kind of outrageous stories that we are like, oh my gosh, a three-headed alligator <laughs> was found in the Amazon? <laughs> click and you realize, you know, you click 10 clicks down and you, you know, basically you help drive the click count and the page views and the click groups for that. So yeah, that sponsored content, um, which is again paid for by a service that's done that. There's native advertising, the native ads that are, are made to look like stories or ads uh, that should be labeled that way. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the FTC has been trying to do that. And yes, um, 
you know, there is, you know, what's called pay for play uh, uh, content, you know, both in magazines, on television, on radio, on TV. I mean, look at, you know, look at the infomercials on your weekend TV, local TV show networks, right? They are, they have, you know, show after show. It's an infomercial, it's a, it's a show about uh, cooking uh, that happens to be selling you that great, um, you know, food processor that's brought to you by X and you spent, you know, you realize, Oh my gosh, wait, that's, <laughs> they're not talking about cooking. They're actually trying to sell me this food processor. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they paid the local station tens of thousands of dollars to get an hour of your time and someone's going to watch it. And they're going to sell enough to make up for that $10,000 uh, in ad time. So yes, be conscious of that. Um, and that, that is woven in, to our uh, media uh, that we just kind of again have a you know have your ears up a little bit for that uh, hopefully it's not if it's happening it's being more obvious than it was in the past but it also is more subtle uh, because again we're scrolling and clicking scrolling and clicking mm-hmm. and swiping and so we're not even paying attention sometimes to what we're doing yep that's true well, thank you so much for joining us unfortunately we are out of time but this has been very helpful information. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we can talk hours about this. I love talking <laughs> about the subject because it's so vital to how we operate as citizens, how uh, we have to continue to gain the trust of, of journalists and media companies to uh, help sort out the information. And we also, as citizens, need to hold them accountable as long as well as everyone else. So Thanks for allowing me to share some insights on that. I hope everyone uh, has a, a little bit more of a raised eyebrow now, now and, and maybe takes that extra click or two to kind of find out the real source of the information and not just believing what everyone shares. Yeah, absolutely. It was our pleasure. Excellent. And I, I also want to recommend an episode that we did a couple months ago, I think it was. It's called The One About Critical Thinking. We interviewed... Uh, a gentleman at the University of Melbourne, um, Australia, who's part of the Critical Thinking Project. And so I think that fake news and critical thinking and kind of the topics we've been talking about lately kind of go hand in hand. So that's one that's worth going back and listening to. But Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days. So we always like to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. We're currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also through our ARD advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities or special needs. With the closure of schools and distance learning in 2020, the education gap for low-income students and really all students has widened, and the one-on-one intervention we provide is vital. So see our website, nogginfoundation.org, or email me at Donita, D-O-N-E-D-A, at noggin n-o-g-g-i-n foundation.org for more details and also each summer noggin offers a summer math and reading program called spark that stands for summers producing academically ready kids and we serve at-risk students in the dallas fort worth metroplex we collect brand new backpacks for our students and students at local title one schools in the dfw area through our social media challenge the hashtag bought a backpack challenge so join us in taking the challenge through august 12th Details are on our website, nogginfoundation.org backslash bought a backpack. 
And if you're not in Dallas, you can check out our Amazon wishlist. We'd like to make it really easy for you. And also, we're working on some great shows for the summer. We don't have much summer left. You're going back to school pretty soon. Thursday. Thursday, right. Oh, this week. Yes. Yes, this week. <laughs> My summer's over, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> but make sure you subscribe to School Days to help for moms and dads of school-age kids on any podcast platform so you don't miss any of our new episodes. And as always, head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and the resources we've mentioned here on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. And last but never least, we always want to end the show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you'd like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.